experts who have studied this virus and past pandemics, and they believe almost universally that the first wave is just beginning to subside of COVID-19 in Canada and around the world, but they expect the disease to be part of our lives for at least the next 18 to 24 months. We're not out of the woods yet. Dr. Suman Chakrabarti is infectious disease specialist at Trillium Health Partners, and he joins the show right now. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. It's, it seems like the consensus is, is that there will be a second wave, if not more, in this pandemic. And last week, a group of scientists at the U.S. Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy released this study, and it predicted that there are three possible scenarios for the coming waves. Could you walk us through the possible scenarios? Absolutely. Uh, these scenarios, unfortunately, are, are not the best news. I think that one scenario that was talked about is something I think that most people have in their mind. It's the one that we have this one wave, it comes, it goes away, and then it's gone. And, it, and I don't think that's the most likely situation. I think we're going to be having more waves, but it depends on what it's going to look like. So a couple of things include we have this one big wave, and then it's like a rock skipping on water. We have smaller waves that are going to happen after this, and this can go on. It's a bit unpredictable. Uh, and this could go on for, you know, again, 18 to 24 months. A second more scary uh, situation is we have one wave, and then we have a second wave that like, it happened in 1918 with the flu pandemic, which is actually much bigger than this one, and then after that we see nothing. That was, I think that's less likely. I think that's less likely because when uh, that happened in 1918, a lot of the social distancing stuff was uh, really quickly uh, discontinued, and we had the, uh, the surge that happened afterwards. And the third scenario is have, it, it's kind of like a mix between the two. We might see a couple of more waves, and it happens more in like a constant phenomenon, like uh, similar-sized waves. It occurs for the next 18 to 20 months until we get a vaccine or some type of uh, herd immunity, and then eventually fades out. So, so is, either way, go ahead, sorry. Is scenario number three the most ideal of three worst-case scenarios because it basically will cause the less amount of strain on the health system? I think so, yeah. I mean, that's the one that I think, I mean, to be honest with you, the best one would be having no more, but I think that's right. the most likely one, yeah. Right. And now in the in the first wave, the main victims, 82% of them, according to uh, a Ryerson University count, have been vulnerable people. Most of them are seniors, and they're living in long-term care. How likely is it that um, older people now that are still really vulnerable are looking at us easing restrictions. They're hearing Ford say, well, use your best judgment on seeing grandparents because, you know, uh, you know best. Um, and, and they're going to put themselves at risk simply because they were not in long-term care. They did not see the tragedy that unfolded and is still they're still trying to get a handle on in some cases. It's definitely a concern. And of course, when we see the relaxation of the restrictions, we're going to start to see more cases. And any of these people that are over the age of 60 are at risk. And this is the problem. The main objective was to keep the hospital system from being overwhelmed. But unfortunately, we, we haven't developed that herd immunity that's needed so this thing doesn't spread through the population. So we have to continue being careful with social distancing going forward. Yeah, I, I've already noticed my parents are itching to get out. So what's your advice to people who could be vulnerable? I think what the important thing is, we do have evidence now that most of the, the transmission occurs indoors. So being outdoors and having some social distancing in that regard is actually a pretty good plan. I think that we still want to avoid having large groups for prolonged periods of time in enclosed spaces, i.e. indoors. That's where the bulk of the transmission occurs. We don't want to relax too much. I mean, I think we're going to be able to go outside, but just keep the groups short, wash your hands, 
don't touch your mouth and nose, and uh, try not to hang out indoors in big groups. As we are gradually beginning to lift restrictions, you know, we're seeing people uh, allowed to open up their uh, stores if they have street level uh, access and for curbside pickup. What do we have to be paying the closest attention to? Is it the community spread of COVID-19? Is that what you're watching as an infectious disease specialist? Absolutely. That, that's the big thing because community spread, when you start to see that, that's a harbinger for the fact that the outbreak's about to explode. And that's what public health and contact tracing is going to be doing extensively to find all these little fires and try to stamp them out before we get a huge wave like we had right now. I know that the province we spoke about this last week is going to start random testing. Um, what would you like to see with regard to random testing and how? what are you seeing right now? Well, one good thing in Ontario, because this wasn't the case back in March and April, is that we've been able to ramp up the testing. So we have a very, very good amount of testing. Random testing needs to be part of a bigger um, plan, which is you know, doing extensive ones, looking for contact tracing, and also looking at high-risk populations, for example, hospital workers and uh, people that live in long-term healthcare facilities. Doing all these things together, we can get a good idea of what's happening in the community. And if we're going to have another wave, we are able to see it um, long before it's about to come so we can prepare for it. And we're going to be, uh, we have to expect that as we gradually start to restart the economy, if we see another wave coming, the government might pull back again like we did. This could be a, a stop, start, stop, start, stop, start situation for the next two years, possibly. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's not uh, pleasant hearing that. Uh, but I do think that that is the, the most likely scenario. That said, we don't necessarily have to go back into full lockdown like we are right now. We might be able to do a, a version of it where we uh, do uh, certain types of things that are closed, the higher risk things, but keep other things open. But again, it's going to be not the same normal that we're used to until probably the, the vaccine is available. And that's where that 18 to 24 month estimate comes from. I was reading an article where there, some experts are suggesting we should do this uh, 10 to 4 rule. And so it's uh, you've got 10 days off, you work four days, you take 10 days off and we do it in shifts so that if people are exposed to uh, COVID-19, that they would know within the 10 days off and know not to go back to work. What do you think about that idea as, as a way to stagger people and keep people as healthy as possible while keeping the, the economy going? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really cool idea. I, I was reading a study of that from Israel. And yes, exactly, that's right. So at the time you're off, if you've contracted uh, COVID-19, you're going to be uh, isolated in a situation where you're not exposing all the vulnerable people. And I do think that's one of the strategies that can be used. And, you know, uh, the other thing is kind of shielding the people that are the most vulnerable. UK tried that, but the problem was they were in the midst of a huge outbreak, so it just didn't work. It wasn't the right time to do it. Now that we're coming down the other side of the outbreak, where things are much more calm, we might be able to do something like that that's more targeted, keeping the vulnerable people safe and keeping the people who are less vulnerable working so we can keep the economy going. How concerned are you about complacency? Is that the biggest threat to the health of the province? Because we're noticing even the premier's been backing off. That's right. Yeah, I heard that story over the weekend for Mother's Day, and I was, uh, I was dismayed by that. But yes, complacency certainly is an issue, but it makes sense. You know, we've been in this lockdown for, what is it, almost uh, two, three, two, uh, two and a half months now, and it's, it's, it's tough to do, but it's important for us to keep doing this together because it's only going to be us doing this that's going to help to keep the uh, damage from this low going forward.